You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. Today we're continuing a series that we've been on over the last six weeks. It's called Onward, and this is our final week of this series called Onward. And I want you to, I want to just remind you what this series is about. It's about moving onward as a church in these specific things. And there's some specific things over the last six weeks that we have been talking about. We've been talking about loving others. We've been talking about relating rightly with others. We've been talking about being humble, about speaking in grace and truth. And last week, we talked about furthering the mission. And and so these are things that we want to be a part of our DNA as a church, that if people were to talk about new life, these are some of the things that they would talk about. These are some of the things that they would say about our church. But as we began this series, uh, I showed you this billboard. And on this billboard, it had this question. It, it it, It says, basically, how would you describe Christians in one word? How would you describe Christians in one word. And for many of you, as I asked that question, as I began to get you talking about that, many of you, what you had to say was that Christians are loving. And I got that over and over and over again. Love, love. How would you describe Christians in one word? Love, love, love. And I thought that was interesting because as I heard about this billboard and the owner of it shared his results, what he said is that a lot of people use the word hate that they would describe Christians with the word hate, that they would describe Christians with this word fake, that they would describe Christians with these negative things. And and I I brought up the question to me, who's right, right? Is there Christians loving or are they hateful? And I think both of us are right, but it should perk up our ears a little bit to think about what the outside world views, how they view us. And it should get us to begin to think about what can we do as a church to change the outside perspective of the world. And what we can do as a church, right? We, we can't say, hey, let's change the whole world. We can start here and then eventually change the whole world, yes. But what we can say is, you know what? As far as New Life Church goes, we're gonna operate in a more loving way. We're going to relate rightly with others. We're going to be humble. So that if one day there's a billboard outside of our church that says, hey, describe New Life Church and its members in one word, people could text in and say, man, that church is loving. Man, that church is humble. Man, that church is kind. That church treats people well. Man, that is a church that is on fire for Jesus. That is a church that represents God well. Right, that's what we want, right? We want to be a church that represents God well in this community, that communicates with grace and truth, that loves others well, that relates rightly with others, that's humble, that's on mission. That's who we want to be. And in this series, we've been navigating that and talking about how we can do that. But there's one more word that I would love it if we were described by. And God would love it if we were described by this word. And it's a word that not a lot of us like all the time, right? It's not, a, it's not a word that we enjoy being preached about. And it's this word called generous. Generosity. Some of you are saying, really, generosity, Jesse? I'd rather you preach about lust or something awkward like that, you know? But generosity, it's something that needs to be talked about because it's the very heart of God. God is a generous God, and he wants us to be generous, And what generous means is it's showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. So it's talking about giving more than is expected, 
giving more than is thought of, right? There's a certain amount that we're expected to give, but we give more because we are generous people. We are generous. And this is where many of you check out a little bit because it's easy sometimes as we come to church and the preacher preaches a message on money or generosity or different things like that that we say, man, really? That's not what I want to hear. I wanted something encouraging and uplifting. But I want you to know that generosity is more than money, that it's an attitude that we possess and it's a way that we live. And we can live in a generous way with our time, with our energy. We can live in a generous way with more than just our finances. And this is the way of Christ, to be generous with time, to be generous with your talents and your skills, to be generous with everything in your life, not just your money. And when it comes to money, as I said, it makes us uncomfortable to talk about, but it's important that we do talk about that because let me tell you something. Over my life, something that I've heard over and over again when people are generous is that me being generous brings joy to my life. How many of you would agree with that? That in moments of your life when you have been generous, it actually helped you out. And I don't know about you, but we're living in a season right now where there's a lot of things that we could be unhappy about. There's a lot of things that we could be down and sad about. There's a lot going on in our nation, in our world that we can say, man, and we need some things to bring us joy. Something that brings us joy is generosity, being generous to others, helping others, being there for others. I was in a, at a wedding in Texas this past week in uh, Texas Tech land over in Lubbock, Texas, and uh, as I'm there, I see a couple that I hadn't seen in maybe 15 years. And 15 years ago, I was in Carlsbad, New Mexico. I was starting community college. And as I started those classes, I didn't have any of my books that I needed. I, I just couldn't, I didn't have the money that I needed to be able to buy them. So I was just going to class, just getting some books off of friends to do my homework and that kind of thing. And this couple, they heard about me going to class and not having the tools that I needed. And they call me in one day, they say, hey, Jesse, we heard that you're borrowing books from people to do your work. We want to pay for your books for this semester. And this couple was so sweet. They paid for my books that semester. And um, I just remember that being such an awesome moment for me, right, to know that this couple cared about me. Fifteen years go by, I see this couple at this wedding, and I'm able to walk up to them and say, hey, I remember 15 years ago, you guys paid for my books. Thank you so much for that. That meant so much to me. And you know what they said? They said, Jesse, that was our joy. It's our joy to be able to do that, and it's our joy today to be able to see what you're doing, to be able to see God using you in the way that he is, and it's still our joy. We're so blessed to be able to do that. So many times, right, there's moments like that in my life of people who are generous with me. There's a couple that I lived with for several years while I went to Bible school, and every time I see them, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for letting me live with you for those years and putting up with me all those years of me eating all of your food and everything in your refrigerator. Thank you for that. And you know what they say every time, Jesse? You're like our son. We love you, and it was a joy. It was a joy to be able to have you in our house for those years. It was a joy to be able to serve you. So friends, generosity, it's not a bad word. It's something that brings joy to our lives, and the more generous we become, the more joyful we will become as well. So let's stop hiding from it. Let's stop uh, being afraid of talking about it. Let's get to this place where we realize that God wants to talk about it because he wants us to live a life 
that he, he wants us to live a certain kind of life. And that certain kind of life is not one of being down and out, but one of joy and one of using the gifts and talents and the things that God has given you so that you could bless others. It brings joy to your life over and over again. This morning, we're going to take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. So I'll give you just a moment to be able to turn there. But in this passage, Paul is talking. Paul is talking here to Timothy, and he's giving him some commands for the church. And in this command, you're going to begin to see that God wants us to be generous. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. It says this, it says, command those, I'm going to go and read, read it all, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And I love that last part, right? That they may take hold of the life that is truly life. There's something about generosity that brings life to us, that brings life to us. But as we get back into this passage, let's begin to read once again from the top. It says, command those who are rich. So let's just stop there because many of you are looking at each other like, who is he talking about here? I know he's not talking about me. I'm not rich, Jesse. And let me tell you something. This passage is talking about you. You are rich. Go ahead, tell your neighbor, you're rich. Go ahead, you're rich. Guys, every single one of us, we are wealthy. Did you know as Americans living where we live that we are among the wealthiest in the world? We are rich. So as we look at this passage and we hear Paul talking here about, hey, those who are rich, talking about you. You are wealthy. But so many times we walk around like, man, we ain't got nothing to give. We ain't got nothing to help anybody with. We don't have nothing. And the reality is, is that you are so wealthy. You are so rich. You have so many resources to help others. God has blessed you infinitely. God has given you so many good things that you can use right now to bless somebody else with. You go to your uh, garage, there's things in there that, man, would bless somebody else that you haven't used in years, right? You go to your closet, there's things in there, right, that you haven't worn in years that somebody would love to wear. Man, there's things everywhere that we don't even use. We are rich, man. We got a lot going on. We got a lot of stuff that we can help others with. We got a lot of stuff that we can bless others with. We are rich. So let's stop living like we're not. Let's stop being stingy, thinking that we're not rich. Because what begins to happen is we have this poverty mindset at times, and we begin to think, man, I don't have anything. And when you have that mindset, it's hard for you to be generous. It's hard for you to care for others. It's hard for you to look for opportunities to help others because you live in this mindset of, I'm poor. I don't have anything to give. You are rich. You are wealthy. And this passage is talking about you. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. That, that part's talking about you too, okay? It says don't be arrogant, Okay. Don't get a big head. We already talked about that when we talked about humility. 
but nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. It is so easy for us to get in this mindset where our whole focus is about money. And when we do that, it becomes an idol in our lives that we put all of our hope in. And all of a sudden, we lose our job, and that idol falls. And that idol can't support us anymore. And our whole world falls apart. All of a sudden, our bank account begins to dwindle. And our whole security is shaken because we didn't have as much money as we used to. Our hope is in money. And friends, God is calling us to a place where our hope is in him, not your bank account. Is your hope in God or your bank account? Right, that'll preach, right? Because man, we need to get to a place where our hope is in him. And even in those moments of struggle, in those moments when we don't have as much as we used to, we can say, you know what, God? My hope is in you. And things are a little tight right now. Things are a little tough, but that's okay. God, I love you. My hope is in you, not my bank account. And I'm gonna continue to believe that you're gonna provide for me. You're gonna take care of me. I'm gonna do all the things that I need to do. But Lord, I thank you that you are taking care of me. But as this verse continues, it says, who richly provides for us, talking about God, with everything for our enjoyment, for our enjoyment. And it talks about this God who is a giver, this God who is a provider. I want you to think about that real quick. Do you think of God as a giver? Do you think of God as a provider? Because the reality is everything that you own is a gift from God. Every single thing that you own, the clothes that you're wearing, the house that you live in, the car that you drive, God God just loaned it to you, right? You are just a steward of those things. He's just letting you use those things. He's given you those things. But the greatest thing of all that he's ever given us is he's given us Jesus, right? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. God gave, and now, as children of God, we give. It's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are, right? Isn't it cool when you see your kids beginning to do some of the good things that you do? Not the bad ones, right? We get a little discouraged when we see our kids doing the bad things that we do. But when we see them doing the good things that we do, the things that we like about ourselves, man, my little boy's 10 months old, starting to put some wrestling moves on me and stuff. Man, that's exciting, okay? Like, ooh, You're wrestling like your daddy, okay? That's good. And we like to see those moments, right? We love it. I'll tell you what, God loves it too. When he sees his DNA come out of you and he sees his ability to give and love others well and he sees you give and love others well, I'm telling you, he's up there saying, ooh, that's my kid. Man, keep on going. Do do it again. Do it again. Give again. Help somebody Again, go, oh, do it again. That was awesome. He's up there cheering, right? He's excited because he's seeing his DNA come out of you in this world. And that's what we need. We get excited when we see our kids do it. One of my fun moments with my daughter, she was a toddler at the time. And this girl was attached to her passy. Man, that thing just stayed in her mouth 24-7. And she loved that thing. And there was no keeping that thing away from her. My son Jay now, right, will not keep a passy in his mouth at all. But this girl had a passy constantly, so we didn't hear a peep out of her. 
right? There was no crying. There was nothing, right? She just sat there with her patsy in her mouth 24-7. And one day we were in San Antonio and we were on a boat in the river walk. And there's this family sitting behind us and the kid is crying. He is just hysterical, right? Never been on a boat before, I'm sure, and is just having the hardest time with this. And the parents are wishing they could just jump out of the boat, okay, and start swimming to shore. And, and, and so, so, man, we're looking at each other and, you know, everybody's fine because, you know, kids have these moments all the time, but these parents are so, so embarrassed in this moment. And uh, suddenly my daughter, Ellie, she turns around and she grabs her passy from her mouth and she goes like this and tries to hand it to this little boy. And in that moment, I thought, man, that is the sweetest thing, right? Little tears wanted to come out of my eyes in that moment because she wanted to give her prized possession the only thing in her world that she loved, she wanted to give it to this kid to help him. I thought that was the sweetest, sweetest thing ever. And guys, there's moments like that in our lives where there's things that are prized possessions to us that'll help somebody else if we're willing to give them, that'll help somebody else. And when we do those things and we give out of what God has given us, it's amazing what God does. It's amazing how he looks down and he says, wow, love that. Thanks for being a giver. Thanks for being generous. I know that was hard for you, but you gave. You gave. Be a giver. Be a giver. Be generous. Be like God. God is a provider in whom we can trust. So let's start hoarding. Let's stop hoarding and and let's look for ways to be generous. But as we continue on here, we see that God is a provider. He provides for us He gives to us, so we should give to others. And as we continue in verse 18, it says, command them, talking about these rich people, us, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So it gets off a little bit of this money idea. And it begins to talk about just looking for ways to do good to others. So let me ask this question. I want you to think about your time. I want you to think about your money and your bank account, okay? And, and let's, let's begin to think about it in two categories, okay? Category of spent on you and category of spent on helping others. How much have you spent in the last month helping others? Is there anything that you could chalk up to be in this category over here? Is there any dollar amount that you could say, I use this much dollar amount to help somebody else? to do good to others? And if we ask ourselves that question and there's very little on this side, I think it's something that we can begin to take to the next level when it comes to our finances. If we look at our finances and we say, man, I didn't do anything to help. I didn't give to the church. I didn't give to an organization that I care about that's making a difference. I didn't, I didn't give anywhere. I didn't give to buy somebody's lunch. I didn't give to buy somebody's ice cream. I didn't give to anything we can begin to ask ourselves, and why is it not? If God is calling us to be generous, if Christians are to be generous people, then why isn't there more in that category? Not only that, but I talked about time, and if we were to do the same thing with our time, how much time you used on yourself, or how much time you used to help somebody else, what could you say? How much time was used to help yourself, right? I'm sure it's a great amount, because yes, we're, we're called to do that, but is there anything that you, any time that you used to help somebody else. If we are to be generous people, if God is calling us to be generous, why aren't we using more of our time to help others? Why not? 
Let's begin to ask ourselves those questions so that we can begin to change the way that we think, so that we can change our hearts as we surrender to God's will for our lives, and we can be more generous with our time and our money. He's calling us to do good, to do good, to not grow weary in doing good because at the proper time you'll receive a harvest, right? God's calling us to do good. And in this season, it's hard to do good because we're tired. It's a hard season for a lot of us. But God says, do not grow weary in doing good. And he's gonna give us the help that we need in order to be able to do it. So be generous with good deeds. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous and be willing to share. Look for opportunities to help those around you. What are some of those ways? Sometimes you could pay for the person in front of you as you're ordering your Big Mac or whatever it is you got. Sometimes you could just, uh, you, you know somebody's struggling, you could pass an anonymous envelope, right, in their mailbox or something like that, right? What can you do anonymously? What can you do to help others? God's calling us to live that kind of life. But as we continue on here, in verse 19, it says, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And let me tell you what this is talking about here. It's saying, you know what? Every time you give, every time you uh, do good to others for the kingdom, you're investing in heaven. You're investing in heaven. And that's a concept, right? That's, man, it's hard for us to understand. Invest in heaven? Jesse, what are you talking about? Is this like a timeshare program in heaven, right? You're securing a place for us. Not what I'm talking about, okay? Not what I'm talking about. I remember years ago, there was this guy in Florida selling tickets to heaven. People were actually buying them. Not what I'm doing today, okay? Not selling any tickets. No money's going to me for this. Not what I'm talking about today. But investing in heaven is a little bit different than that. You know, years ago, just to give you a little bit of perspective here, let, let, let me wait on that story, okay? I know you guys are ready for it, okay? But let, let, me, let me wait on that just, just for a second. What, what I think God is trying to tell us here in this passage, and in passages like it, right? There's another passage in Matthew chapter 6 that talks specifically on this subject, right? Of storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And it's saying, listen, on this earth, when you store for yourselves up, those things are going to decay. Those things are going to rust, but when you invest in the kingdom, those things never rust. Those things never decay. And it is this beautiful thing. And, and what it's doing is it's getting us to be generous in a way that makes a difference for eternity, that makes a difference forever. So one of the ways that I can begin to help you understand this is the idea of investments, right? Many of you invest your money into a certain investment account. But what if you were investing your money into this investment account and the guy across from you looked at you and he said, you know, this investment's pretty good for a couple of years, but after that it goes really downhill. There's not a whole lot of return. I'm just going to be honest with you. You'd be like, oh yeah, put all my money in that. No, we wouldn't do that, right? We want something that's going to last. It's going to be a long-term investment. And what God is telling us is he's saying when you invest everything you have just into this world, it's a bad investment. It's a bad investment. He's saying if you invest it all here, it's not a good long-term investment. If somebody told you that and they said, hey, I want you to invest everything you have into this earth, but here's the thing. Here's the motto of that. Here today, gone tomorrow. 
will always leave you empty-handed. Not a good motto. Not a good place to invest your money. You'd say, no, never, never. But when you invest into the kingdom, you're always, it's always going to matter. So here's the story you've been waiting for, okay? So I'm a sophomore in high school, and I make it my goal to win a state championship in wrestling. And so I pour all of my heart and all of my energy and everything that I am in winning this state championship in wrestling every single moment, every single weight that I lift, every single moment that I run, every single moment is thinking about this state championship and getting my hand raised at the end of the year of my junior year. And so I'm pursuing it with everything that I have, everything that I am, every moment is investing into this, win a state championship. Well, I have a friend named Kyle and his goal that year was very different. His goal that year was to say, you know what, I'm going to do good to this Jesse Rios guy, and I'm going to win him to the Lord. I'm going to make sure that at the end of this year, he comes to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and I'm going to pray for him, and I'm going to befriend him, and I'm going to invite him to things. I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that at the end of this year, he comes to know Jesus And that is his goal, and that is his pursuit, and that is everything that he pours his whole heart into for that whole year. He says, I want Jesse Reyes to come to know the Lord. Well, guess what? At the end of the year, both of us achieve our goals. I win my state championship. He wins me to the Lord. I come to know the Lord. And let me tell you, that state championship isn't doing anything for me anymore, right? I might be able to wrestle a couple of you, put a couple of moves on you guys out there. That's about it, okay? Not really doing a whole lot for me, but let me tell you, Kyle's investment is still making an impact. It's still making a difference. It's life-changing for me, life-changing for others, and many, many thousands and thousands of years from now, as we're all in heaven together, man, it's still making a difference because he took time, he took energy, he invested in me, He invested in heaven because he invested in me that I might come to know the Lord. And friends, we can pour our whole life into things of this world or we can pour our lives into things that are going to make a difference. And you know what? As I learned that the very next year, I was able to go back as a wrestler, yes, with a goal of winning another state championship, but I had a bigger goal. My bigger goal was to win people to the Lord. So you can do those things. You can work at a secular job. You can, you can have a goal of winning a state championship, but your ultimate goal should always be, how can I invest in heaven in the process? How can I use the gifts and the talents and the, the jobs and the things that God has given me in order to make a difference for the kingdom? That's who God has called us to be, to live generous lives so that others might come to know the saving grace of Jesus. That's who he's called us to be. That's who he's called us to be. So how can you use your time better so that we can achieve these goals? How can you use your time to serve others, to help others? How can you use your money to give to the local church, to help others, right? How can we do this better because we're not doing it well? People don't think of Christians as generous and it's time for us to step up and begin to live that kind of life. How can we use our talents better to serve in this way? Because I'm telling you, there's some Jesse Reoses out there who haven't come to know the Lord yet it's you who can make the impact in their lives. It's you who can make that impact if you're willing to be generous, if you're willing to use your time, your talent, your treasure 
to make a difference in their lives. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's be generous together. Let's move onward together in generosity and love to make a difference in this community for Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.